Hey there. Uh, welcome to Everyday Theologian. Uh, I'm Chad, here once again with Pastor Ty. Hey there. Um, it's after Easter. Uh, we're kind of winding down on the second busy season of the church, and we're going to start talking about some other stuff. Before we do that, though, uh, we're going to we want to tell you about something coming up uh, for the church. Yeah. So, hey, if you're looking for something to do with the weather getting nice, um, we have a, a spring fling craft show coming up. Uh, something for the community to come and take part in. Of course, we'll you know still be doing some social distancing and and uh, all kinds of safety measures will remain in place. Um, but for this event. Uh, we are going to have over 60 vendors um, at the Community Life Center and out in the parking lot over there at the Community Life Center. Center. And we'll also have a bunch of food trucks, uh, including Papa Duke's, Mission Mahi, the Big Green Thing, and Evil Swine Barbecue. So the Spring Fling Craft Show will run from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday, May 15th. So, hey, come on out. Check it out. Bring some folks with you. Even if you're not into crafts. I mean, I'm excited for the food trucks. Oh, my gosh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And there's always good stuff. Yeah. Because it's not just crafty. I mean, you never know what you're going to find. Oh, yeah. People, oh, my gosh. So many creative people. Yeah. Just in this community. Great vendors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So great to support some local folks doing what they love to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so this week we are getting into a topic um, on faith, but really more, um, more about a crisis of faith. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to get a little heavy. Yeah. It Um, has that potential. We were talking about this earlier today, um, and I, I had a conversation with someone a few days ago, um, just kind of going through some struggles, and I, I kind of did my best to, you know, to help walk them through, you know, uh, calming down a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. um, and trying to identify uh, where some of the, the issues might be coming from and, and saying, hey, look, you know, if... If you got some stuff that's going on, we gotta we gotta work through that. But at the same time, if you've been so busy that you feel like you haven't been in prayer or had any real time with God or with the rest of the church, um, you know that that's gonna leave a bigger impact as well. Sure. Um, Interesting I, I, too to be coming off of our spiritual discipline conversations. Yeah, yeah. I I, I told them about those topics that we had during Lent mm-hmm. in church. Um, and we were talking about that. So I, I shared the same story um, where I had kind of a mini faith crisis mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, uh, my experience with fasting mm-hmm. and prayer, um, and just kind of encouraged this person to, you know, if, if that's something that they feel that they need to try, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was a good conversation, and it, it got me thinking that, even though the circumstance might be unique, I, I don't think that the feeling of having a, a crisis of faith is. Um, it can be crazy extreme, or it can just be, you know, maybe you're new and really confused about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really, that that level of 
of faith and, and trying to figure things out can be all over the spectrum. Sure. Um, and so we're going to try to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where the conversation takes us. Yeah. Um, we, we've got some thoughts, but... Yeah. This could really just... There's so many things to say. There is. There's so much to say about something like this. and But I appreciate, you know, you just also brought up a really good point that it... So a crisis of faith is going to be unique to every person. Yeah. Um, because it can come in all kinds of different ways. You know, I mean, the conversation that you had with someone a couple days ago wasn't because, um, like, someone in their family just died, right? I mm -hmm. mean, like, that can lead someone to a crisis of faith. Um, but it could be – it could be uh, – an event that took place like in your community. It could be something that took place in the our country or the world that puts someone kind of into a crisis of faith. Um, it could be something just very personal that no one would ever know or begin to suspect because it's just so personal. You've not even shared anything about it with anybody. Maybe it's something that you've read something that was in the news. Um, it could be an offhand comment that mm -hmm. someone makes that they never intended to uh, cause you to think or feel a certain way other than just, oh, here's an off-the-cuff off kind of comment. Um, and they go about their day, and all of a sudden you're left with just all of these questions swimming around yeah. in your head and in your heart even. And then also, you could be a brand new believer and have this crisis of faith. You could be a lifelong believer. You could be at the end of your life, even, and have something come up. And it's also not a guarantee, like, that there will be one time in your life that you <laughs> oh, yeah. have a crisis of faith, yeah. right? I mean, they can, they can come out of so many different experiences and places. And just when you think everything's good, bam. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories of people that that are in the midst of conversations or they're in a particular class and maybe the goal is to challenge someone's faith and it just it goes far far further mm -hmm. than was ever intended. Yeah. I've heard yeah. stories of of people who uh just really digging in to their Christianity mm -hmm. and uh you know on fire for God and and, and seeking uh the the work of evangelism mm. and then here and there doubts start to creep up um, maybe they have trouble reconciling stuff that that they've been told uh, maybe it's been the the way or the method that they've been evangelizing and all of a sudden it's hard to believe mm. um i mean it the experiences range literally all over the place. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I hear these stories, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I kind of see your point. And I wish that, <laughs> I wish that there could be more conversation. Mm. Um, Cause it is, it is incredibly sad when somebody who seems to have a great experience uh, has one terrible one. Mm -hmm. and then they just give up. 
and there's no yeah. there's no like dialogue about it there's no exploring you know why why they have those doubts or those questions that le- are left unanswered and it ho- hopefully some of this can be a little bit of ease mm-hmm. today I, yeah. I think that's because it's been on my mind I, I think that's kind of my goal is to just kind of air some of the stuff that doesn't get talked about mm-hmm. uh, maybe we can explore some of that sure yeah yeah, because that's a really good point. I mean, we can talk about times maybe in like in school or in seminary when professors are very intentional about challenging somebody's uh, faith, challenging your thought process so that you can come to a better understanding of what it really is that you believe, not because they want to take your faith away from you or tear tear you down but because they want you to be able to speak well and articulately, and they want you to be able to um, have that increased passion and desire to be able to share exactly what it is that you know you believe, right? Mm-hmm. But then there are those other times where I can, and, I, and I've seen that too, where um, someone who's been a part of a church forever is, becomes upset by something. And they allow the one that one thing to rip the church away from them. Yeah. And and it's and it's hard to see uh, somebody instead of having a conversation, instead of saying, "Well, why did this happen that way?" Um. They just say, "Forget it all. I'm just done with it all." Meanwhile, it's probably going to come from some complete misunderstanding. Uh, and yeah, that's a, that's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Cause there's so many times that I've seen and heard stories of somebody um, who just wants nothing to do with that pastor or that church and that pastor or that church had no idea that somebody was upset how how can we do anything to change or fix or help if we don't even know that it was an issue? Uh, there's a lot of ass- assuming that can go on that can really uh, bring harm. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's that offhanded comment, <laughs> right? Sometimes it's something that is completely unintentional uh, that somebody would have never done or said Um, and we have to be careful because sometimes we take things very personal when that's not the intention, right? Like that we can, we can take a comment, we can hear something and instead of recognizing that, um, that the comment was not a personal attack, we... (laughs) Like, we're not able to allow it to just be. Yeah. Right? Especially when everything's hyper-personalized today. Right. Um, uh, that's a, I mean, that's a conversation for <laughs> another yeah. time. But yeah. uh, it, we tend to not just make things about ourselves a lot, um, but I, I don't really understand the phenomenon, though, because it's... Even the smallest things, 
just some random offhanded comment. Um, I mean, even like a commercial on TV, it, mm-hmm. it can feel personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, something about the culture mm-hmm. um, and it, to not, to not look at that and address it is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you'd even ask yourself, okay, why am I angry about this? Like, right. Wh- why, why did this one thing upset me so much that it's all I can think about? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it might be valid. Uh, sometimes it's totally out in left field. Mm-hmm. Um, most stuff dealing with faith, though, is the furthest thing from a personal attack or uh, you know directed at any one person. Mm-hmm. It there's so many different ways of trying to understand scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Dr. Dan said this uh, on occasion um, when when referring to Old Testament stuff. You get seventy two rabbis in a room. You're gonna have seventy two different interpretations <laughs> on 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 the Old Testament scripture, um, or for them just scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at all the denominations in Christianity today. So many different ways of trying to understand and contextualize what we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this really good class uh, on the Trinity. Um, ended up being a uh, a one-off thing that some of us didn't want to take. The classes that were offered and convinced a couple of professors. We got a group together. It was great. Uh, fantastic class. But in the process of, of uh, discussing the Trinity, we talked about... Um, the various councils that met to form the creeds that we recite. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the earliest earliest form of really trying to pinpoint what we believe so that everybody can have a common understanding as opposed to, you know, hearing experiences removed three or four times. Right. Um, like it was when the church was being formed. Mm-hmm. So um, we we like to have things concrete. Yeah. Right? So we ha- we're having a hard time. <laughs> uh, specifically, we can like go from where you were talking. Like they, they, they were meeting to be able to write out these creeds because they needed something written down so that they could hold people accountable to things. Yeah. And... That's something that we want to continue to do. We want it to be a certain way because it makes sense and we can, um, you know, it, it's a litmus test for us. We can we can see how far we can push things. It mm. can't go beyond like this yeah. is this is where it is. It's the black and white um, that we really appreciate in life. And then there are things that just come up in scripture again and again that God shows us like like when we see in Hebrews right chapter 11 right there at the beginning it says it says this now faith is con- is a confidence in what we hope for an assurance about what we do not see and this is what the ancients were commended for 
Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Friends, how can we, how can we put this God who has created all things, who wants us to just trust him, to put our faith there, to put our faith in what cannot be nailed down? to put our faith in what cannot be contained in black and white. So for us to have these moments uh, in times in our lives where we're just at a, at a crisis of how we can put our faith in this, how we can believe this, how we can get beyond something, if we just turn to scripture, we're invited into this holy mystery of God saying, I, I just need you to put your, your trust in me. I need you to put your confidence in me, in what you're hoping for. And know that you can place all of your trust even in what you cannot see. Yeah, Scripture is kind of like the best effort or the best thing that we have to make the intangible tangible. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I And the great thing, though, is that, that again and again throughout Scripture, if you're paying attention, there's all these different places that are just like, well, wait a minute. How does that make sense? And, it, and so we're invited as Christians— to wrestle with this stuff. Yeah. Not to not to just take the 10 commandments and live by that only. Mm. Or not take like even within the Jewish tradition, I I don't even I can't even tell you how many rules they have, you know, in their in their law book. But it's, you know, hundreds. <laughs> live by every single one of these rules, every single one of these laws, don't don't change, don't bend, don't break. Um, and then here's God saying, wait a minute. <laughs> Even I'm so excited that, uh, like in Pastor Allen's sermon this past weekend, right, he shared he shared part of the, the text from the end of Matthew, chapter 27, towards the end of that chapter. And, uh, a, and the way Pastor Allen kind of addressed it is that, just this excitement that God would have knowing that that at Jesus' last breath, this new covenant began. And so before Jesus even rose from the dead, he was already making a way for us to be so close to God that there was no longer anything to prohibit us from being that close. Because Scripture says that that at that moment that Jesus gave up his spirit, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You can't do that. There weren't people there doing that. That was something that only God did, that, that the earth shook, that the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. There was no longer anything keeping us from God. 
But we have so many things that we feel need to be in black and white and according to a certain way. And and I'm glad you brought up just within the tr- the Christian faith, there are so many different traditions and so many different ways of seeing things and doing things. And we can allow those structures to keep us and prevent us from being with God. Yeah. And from allowing God to show us the beauty of this life, the blessings that are around us, that we can come through even the darkest times, even the deepest doubts can, you know, can can be taken away, can fall away, can be broken through. Um we can have incredible breakthrough. And and there are these things all through scripture. We can see these stories all through scripture. One of the things that Paul says in Romans um, as well, he talks about, uh, you know, just a one line. It's there in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 1. Um, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I think that what an important thing that, Chad, you were able to have a conversation a couple days ago with somebody who needed to hear your faith, who needed to be encouraged, right? That, That we need to be doing that. And you, and, and it's just another example, another, um, challenge for us to be sharing the things, to be vulnerable with one another, to recognize that that we need to tell somebody that when we're having that crisis of faith so that we can encourage one another in, in our faith. Yeah. Yeah, the, the worst, absolute worst part about having a crisis is trying to figure it out and go through it alone Mm -hmm. i think that's when a lot of people just end up giving up Mm -hmm. i think we all have doubts every now and then sure i would agree and i think it's i think it's healthy to question things every now and then Uh, because without dialogue there's no growth Mm -hmm. um and sometimes sometimes i think you can go a distance in praying to god feel like you're saying the same thing over again um and even though it kind of sucks to be in in a place of spiritual emotional you know just feeling so torn down and at rock bottom and then maybe maybe the floor gives out and you're at a new rock bottom Hmm. um that's I, I, that is the absolute worst feeling. Um, I think the bright side of that is it gives you something new to talk about with God. Hmm. Aside from you can only go up from there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I, I hear other people say that like when you finally hit rock bottom, that's when your faith really kind of solidifies. Hmm. Or I guess totally goes away. It's kind of like a knife's edge. But really, when you're when you're able to look up, take God's hand, 
have a new conversation. New and amazing things can can blossom from that with what you believe, with the faith that you hold, uh, with how you interact with life. I don't want to say that it all hinges on perspective, but at some point when you're when you're going through all of that, if you don't look up, you're never going to see what's around you. Mm-hmm. You're never going to find somebody to talk to. You're never going to see God reaching out and saying, hey, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I can still pull you up from this. Don't give up. Yeah. One of the, um, a phrase that I'm really grateful for, and I think it's just a, a true uh, reality as well, is to be able to offer a sacrifice of praise. Yeah. Because um, there are sometimes, while I don't believe in, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps all the time necessarily. I mean, yes, you can work hard and, and get somewhere, but sometimes, sometimes we just need to take a deep breath and just praise God even in the midst of the crisis. And so to offer a sacrifice of praise um, can be can be so important in your in that whole process. Yeah. Right. Because you can you can be at the lowest. You can feel like there is nowhere else to go. Um, offering that sacrifice of praise, being present in worship, singing those songs, finding yourself maybe even in your shower or just wherever you might find yourself if you can if you can just say god you are good god you are faithful and just start through a whole list a whole process of declaring who god is do it out loud too I mean, if, if, if you're not comfortable, if there's somebody else around, you can do it in your head. But if, you, if you're comfortable, do it out loud. Declare the things, the truth of God, the truths of who God is, what God does. You know, if you've got those scriptures in, in, your, in your memory bank, then pull them out and start speaking them. Because those are the times, those are the ways that you're able to to focus on God's goodness, God's grace, and light starts breaking through. You know? I think that's something. Um, uh, you hear it from churches and pastors and uh, every now and then. But in general, as a church as a whole, across all the denominations, I think that's the one thing that we've kind of let go of. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we... I don't know that we're comfortable anymore actually declaring God's truth. Mm. We talk about it. We have conversations that kind of make us feel good about it. But I don't know that we actually declare anymore. That could be a part of the problem, maybe. Mm. 
Yeah, I guess too. If you know, if you're not used to sharing anything about your faith or talking about God, if you're not having conversations, if you're not in worship regularly and you're not hearing that kind of thing. I mean, that's one of the reasons that that worship is so important. That's one of the reasons that even even if you are regardless of what it is, whether you are in person or whether you are are faithfully online and and being present in worship, if you're not there, you're missing all of those reminders. You're missing all of those opportunities to do to declare those things. And you know, that is that is one of the greatest challenges when people say, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be a part of that. Well, you might not need to be a part of everything that there's that's happening at the church. And yeah, there might be a congregation that just feels a little more comfortable than another for you. But if we're not together, then we can't be encouraging one another in our faith. Yeah. If you aren't present, then you're not being reminded of the words of that hymn. Or you're not being a, or you're not declaring in a call to worship God's goodness even in the pain of life. If you're not present in worship, then you're not participating in communion and hearing the words that that Jesus wants to be very present and real in your life. You need to be with people. And, and you know, I know that some people are like, yeah, we have to be present in the physical building. But I'm not even going there. Listen, I've got a friend who recently told me that she's joined a church. It's like four states away. She She's never set foot in the physical building. And this is the first time in her life that she has joined a church. The only way she's been a part of it is online. But she loves the teaching. She loves the worship. She finds herself engaging in conversation um, online, like in the chats. And she is financially contributing to the ministry that this church is doing. She is a perfect example. You do not have to be in the physical building to be fully engaged in worship to be fully engaged in a community. Um, it's really an incredible thing. But if you're not engaged, if you're not around people, then yeah, this not only is living out your faith a challenge, but when you hit these times, these crises of faith, then you're really lost and it can be really hard to find your way back. But I'm so glad that you've already, like you've already said it, that that God is there the whole time. That it really is a matter of our perspective, what we're seeing, what we're telling ourselves. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Side note, Chad and I were talking before we started that we could probably talk on this for like weeks, yeah. <laughs> right? There's just so many ways we could go with it and so many. But like, yeah, the whole like self-talk thing. We tell ourselves enough times, no one else may have ever said something to us about the way we dress. But we just see one person look at us the wrong way, and all of a sudden we start in our head. 
oh, I just look horrible. I don't look good. I shouldn't go anywhere. I have nothing to wear. None of this is good. I'm too, I'm too overweight or it shows off this and I don't want to accentuate that. And all of a sudden we just go down this rabbit hole in our minds. No one's ever said a word to us. But we can find ourselves in this in this crisis of belief and understanding. Um, so we can find ourselves in a crisis of faith in just as quickly, just as easily, if there's no one else that we're having these conversations with and dialoguing with. Yeah. Yeah. Which is it's so bizarre because we're in a time in our society where uh, there are more opportunities for community than ever. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, over a decade ago, it all started with MySpace and then Facebook and exploded from there. Mm-hmm. Regrettably, the church has been a little little behind the eight ball on that. Um, but this last year has really forced churches to, to explore what community online looks like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember an article a couple of years ago about like a totally online church in like a VR chat room kind of thing. Oh my goodness. And I'm thinking, how is that even, how is that even a thing? Mm-hmm. But if you're not comfortable walking through the doors, who's to say that that community is any less valid than showing up in a physical sanctuary? Mm-hmm. We've said this a couple of times already on the podcast. You really can't be a Christian in isolation. Mm. Um, Community and conversation, whether that's with other believers or, you know, really sitting down with the pastor and just having a, a, a deep conversation. If you're not engaged in at least that manner, you're only going to glean so much from reading scripture yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can read it over and over again and pick up new things that you missed the first time. But without any extra frame of reference, without any extra context that other people bring, uh, you're only getting this narrow, you know, peephole of a, of a perspective. And... That, that might be part of the, the issue with over-personalizing faith. Oh, we, we talk about uh, when, when people uh, first like, accept Jesus. Uh, a lot, I think a part of the, the sinner's prayer or that, that whole altar call conversation that happens, um, there's, there's a lot of talk about Jesus becoming your personal Savior. And while it's important to ex- like to have that experience and to, on your own, of your own decision, accept Jesus, there's a part of me that thinks that that particular part of the conversation isn't entirely helpful. Because if we're thinking of Jesus as very personal, which is, I mean, is fine, like, Jesus as friend and Lord and someone who's there with you, that is equally as helpful. Mm -hmm. 
but it's so easy to fall into the 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 my personal christianity my mm. my personal experience mm-hmm. and the more i think that we try to conform what we believe or understand what we believe based on who we are and the experiences that we have we can take what we get in community as broadening a little bit and start to shrink it back down to that people mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of the danger especially uh, we talked a little bit about tradition um, kind of being a, another barrier I think sometimes we can hold uh, you know what we've been taught by people that have been taught the same thing you know, especially if you're like a third or fourth generation in a church. Um, the same things kind of just filter down. And especially when you have people that teach you that really care about you. You know, even if their perspective is incredibly limited, sometimes the the value that we have on that person as a teacher or mentor almost supersedes the value of a new perspective that can help inform what we believe. And in those cases, it might not just be personal, but it's like, well, what else is wrong? And now maybe the foundation that has been built up feels like maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't as strong as I thought it was. What if, what if that person was wrong? What if, and then you've got a whole big list of questions that just kind of come out of nowhere. Um, and reconciling those differences ends up being a big trigger. That's a really good point. When something is so foundational that you begin to question, it does put a lot of other things kind of on that, like on a, a just feel like you're all teetering. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. What can I believe? Who can I believe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which the thing is why, you know, in, in seminary or in, in a Christian college, uh, you'll occasionally get those, those professors that really want to work at making you defend your beliefs. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, you either get people that, you get one of three people. You get those that understand the system of academia and will do their best to agree with the professor. Maybe not totally agreeing with them, but enough that it makes life easy. You've got those kind of in the middle that'll agree, but then like kind of teeter on the line. Um, and I think that's typically where you get the best conversations when the, the professor is able to play devil's advocate and you can have that, that dialogue. And then you get the other people that think that that professor is a jerk and totally dismiss the class. Mm. They'll go through it. They'll do what they have to, to get through it. Um, but every step of the way is disagreement and they might not actually take anything away from from that course mm-hmm. or those discussions. Mm-hmm. 
And that can be dangerous. Not just on the part from the student, but depending on how far someone pushes to want to get someone to really understand what they believe. Um, it Sometimes it can go too far. And if there's not any preface to that practice, then it can feel like the, this person's just trying to make me not believe or trying to force me to, to believe something that I don't or that seems contradictory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've had a similar experience. I mean, there was one class in seminary that half the class, just they just wanted to fight this professor tooth and nail. The crazy thing was that it wasn't even a class that we um, were going to get a grade in. It was going to be a pass-fail class. It was on spiritual disciplines. (laughs) Like the person who was teaching was an adjunct who was, who had been a a pastor, was still a pastor in a congregation, a flourishing congregation, had written many books. It, this was not about a, a certain theology. He wasn't asking us to question our belief in Jesus, that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that we could fight about. Yeah. He wanted them to pray. You know, he wanted them to not just be so academic and in their heads. Mm. Yeah. Just to experience. And they wanted to fight him tooth and nail. You know, I think there was something in them saying, well, you're, you're the, like he was, like the professor was questioning their faith if they, like, oh, you must not have a very strong faith if you don't pray in this way. And, and so they were taking things, it, it seemed to me they were taking things personally when all this person was trying to do was just encourage, just here's another way that you might engage scripture. Here's yeah. another way you might engage God in prayer. Here is another way that you might learn and be able to glean from the Lord. There was no there was nothing about that class that was telling them they had to do things the rest of their lives in a certain way or they weren't good Christians. But that's the way they were taking it. You know, we need to allow God to be God. And allow God to use every person the way they were meant to be. Yeah. Because I think when we we can find ourselves in these in these crises of faith, like when be, and sometimes we we want to put it on somebody else. Well, well, it's their fault that I'm feeling this way or something like that. Um, when really. It's an opportunity for us to kind of take a step back and go, okay, God, how can I better understand you (laughs) as I try to engage with this person in life? Because here's the fundamental part of it. That person is just as much a child of God as you and I. And they love Jesus too, <laughs> you know. Especially, especially when it's another Christian. Especially when it's you know somebody who's supposedly on the same team. Um. So, 
Right. So the thing is that we have to remember that even though somebody might be um, coming with a different perspective, that that they're not trying to change who we are at our core. They're not trying to change who God is in our understanding, right? God is still God. The best part is that that those challenging thoughts or conversations are inviting us to see the fullness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a crazy thing, but in the little book of Habakkuk, uh, and and I'm you know it really is only three chapters, but I was just kind of trying to read through it the other day and trying to actually pay attention, you know, because it's so small you can kind of just zip right through it if you're not careful. Yeah. And uh, this one verse really caught my attention because Habakkuk is addressing God and then and then God is answering. Um, but God said, uh, God's response, chapter 1, verse 5 says, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And I just sat with that. You know, I thought, you know, there is so much that happens in this world. There's so much that happens in one person's lifespan that were we told at one point what would happen in the years to come, we probably wouldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. And and how incredible is God? That God could say something like, I'm going to do something that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. How many of us are really willing to take the time and sit with a crisis of faith and work through it, have conversation about it, and be willing to recognize that God might be showing me something or doing something, even through that crisis of faith, even when I'm feeling like I'm being personally attacked in some way, where I may end up with a renewed faith that I would never have had before that crisis of faith. What what if God is creating an opportunity for you to have a relationship with someone that is starting out in some kind of contentious way that you never would have imagined had that not happened. How is God going to use an event in our culture or our world that you are taking so personally offensive that might actually be God saying, but I need you to see this. I need you to know that I love those people just as much as I love you. Yeah. There are so many things that we can just hold on to, right? White knuckle mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not letting go. I'm not changing. This is going to be, no, my life needs to be the way it's always been in this black and white. I can't have something come and change it in any way when what that 
what it might end up doing is bringing more joy into your life than you've ever known before. But you've got to go through it before you can see on the other side. Yeah. I'd say it happens a lot. But I think you're, you know, I think this this is such an important conversation, though, because we don't talk about it enough. Right. We don't recognize the importance of it. We don't share our faith with one another enough. We don't take the opportunity to, to declare God's goodness, even in the midst of the uncomfortable. Yeah. It can be hard to see. Absolutely. It's it it's hard to it's hard enough to wrap our minds around some of the stuff that we go through on a day to day basis. Let alone let alone the mere concept of God. But we're told every time there's uh, some sort of interaction with children mm-hmm. in the Gospels, Jesus likes to use them as the as the the reference point, mm-hmm. right? And I like this uh, throwback to the Santa Claus <laughs> movie from my childhood. <laughs> um, when uh, when Tim Allen's character is having this conversation with this little elf girl, and she's like, "Look, seeing isn't believing." You know, if we could see every way that God was actively moving, it would be easy. We wouldn't need to have faith. We could just observe, right? Um, Thomas was one of those after the resurrection that absolutely needed to see proof. And Jesus gave him proof, which should give those of us that feel like we need proof a little bit of reassurance, I think. But in this movie, the the elf girl says uh, that believing is seeing, which is why kids can, they have no problem believing in, uh, in Santa Claus and all the magic around Christmas. And But I think the people that we see have the strongest faith to me at least, the only way that I can rationalize it is that their belief goes beyond what most people would call rational. Whether they've gone through some stuff and they've made it through and now their faith is stronger, or they've whatever their belief is, they have the ability to see God move. They can see where God has worked in their life. They can see how God is with them now and they can see God doing stuff in other people's lives. And it is a sight to behold. But just just the simple belief the way kids do. I think sometimes we feel like it's not enough. But Jesus says over and over again, it is. Mm-hmm. When I worked at a camp, uh, one of my favorite ways of trying to depict the idea of faith was in using a chair or a bench as we sat down and had our our evening worship and discussions. Every one of us will approach a chair and depending on how tired we are, we may gracefully sit down or just 
100% throw ourselves into the chair with no abandon. <laughs> and every time we expect that chair based on our experience and knowledge and what we're told to support us. I know we have a lot more experience with a chair actively holding us up than I think we do with the, the idea of God supporting us. I don't, I don't think there's that big of a difference between the two concepts. Uh, even though the reality is a chair could break at any moment, God's not going to. We find ourselves in, you know, at rock bottom. It's not because God dropped us. We just kind of put the blinders on and got lost somewhere along the way. The support is that he's still willing to pick us up. And I think even, even if it's a life experience or an unfortunate conversation that had no real resolution, these moments, for as terrible as they can be, allow us to have a different conversation and bring in a new perspective and hopefully help us find a, a new way forward that helps us to believe even a little bit more so that we can see a little bit more. And, you know, eventually our, our faith kind of becomes like an old house. Maybe you got to reassure re the foundation, change some of the supports a little bit. It's work. It'll happen. That kind of job, really difficult, kind of sucks. But sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes to really know what you, what you believe, you got to go through something kind of terrible. Mm -hmm. Making sure you got people around you. I think that's kind of what makes the difference. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a really good illustration too. Yeah, sometimes do things do need to change. Sometimes our understanding does need to be challenged. But in the end, you know, you're you're left with a stronger foundation. You're left with a more beautiful, uh, you know, picture. <laughs> You've mm -hmm. got nicer walls, and uh, it just it it can make all the difference. And if we hadn't gone through it, we wouldn't be able to see. Um, the beauty that God, all that God holds for us and all that God has in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's hope. There's hope. And it's not an easy process. Definitely takes work sometimes. Mm -hmm. Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time, for sure. Yeah. Um, I was... This conversation has also led me to remember Romans 5, um, saying that um, we boast in the hope of the glory of God, but not only so, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Yeah. Yeah. Life is going to be hard. There's going to be those times that we just 
we can actually be grateful for those times of suffering and recognize that, that God is strengthening us through it all and that we're able to see our character build and develop because we recognize that it's not just about us, that it's also about caring for others and loving one another and listening to one another and having a, an, a spirit of understanding, willing to hear and offer encouragement, not thinking your way is the only way, but recognizing that it leads us to that fuller understanding of who God is and a hope that this life is really worth it. Yeah. It's all worth it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Everyday Theologian. And we'd love for you to join in the conversation. Um, message us on Chippewa United Methodist Church Facebook. You can also um, do a hashtag Everyday Theologian or hashtag Chippewa UMC. And we'll try to catch on, catch, the, catch you there and, and add that to the conversation. Also, you can um, comment on any of the podcasts. You can, any place that's available on Apple or Google Podcasts, apps, Spotify, SoundCloud, even our new church app. You can be uh, putting comments there too. So make sure you're subscribed on your platform of choice so that you can be notified as soon as a new episode is available. And share this with others, as many people as you can. We'll see you back here in two weeks.